Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to be with all of you, and a warm welcome to all of you tuning in online. My name is Lisa Capazzoli, and I'm one of the pastors serving here at church in our pastoral care department, and it is great to be with you. So if you're just joining us, we are in week two of our sermon series called Hidden Figures. We are diving into stories about women and the good work that God has called them to do for his kingdom. Throughout history, women have often gone unseen and unnoticed. Across the globe, women have often lacked resources and status. Yet in spite of all of these things, God has called women and their leadership to his purposes. In fact, Jesus was radically countercultural in his engagement and his treatment of women. He talked to women, he invited them into his mission, and he invited them to learn and grow as his followers. In the New Testament, Paul and others have cited women as one of the reasons the early church was able to grow. And throughout the Old Testament, we find wonderful stories of courage and the women God used for his purposes. Today, we're going to be looking at one of those stories. It is the story of Esther. But before I go any further, let us join together in prayer. Dearest Father God, lead us and guide us this morning as we learn more about your kingdom and what you have called us to do with our lives. Open our hearts today to learn and grow so that we, the men and women you have called, can do your kingdom work in this world. Amen. So I wonder how many of us remember thinking about the big question when we were little kids. What am I going to be when I grow up? Some of you may have said, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a teacher. I want to be president. I want to be a movie star. But for some reason or another, that dream faded and the reality of life set in. In the reality of life, we can easily get swept up in the practical, like getting a job just to pay the bills, not really selecting what we really want to do, or making it through college just to get it done, but not selecting a major that we really love. Often we make choices about college and careers based on what is expected of us. We make our choices based on cultural norms for men and women at a certain age and stage, but not necessarily what we are passionate about. Or maybe we find ourselves immersed in success measured by our cultural standards. In fact, cultural success woos us. It draws us in and it often defines us. And so we may find ourselves climbing the ladder of cultural success, but what does it all mean? Did I lose myself in the process? Am I hiding who I really am? Am I playing a role in culture just to be accepted? So the question I have for all of you today is this. Are you living out God's call on your life, or have you settled for what you're supposed to do instead of who God calls you to be. To begin to answer these questions, I invite you into the story of Esther. The story of Esther is one of the most dramatic and poignant stories in all of scripture. Many of us know this story simply as the girl who became queen. 
but it is a story that is much more than that. It is a story of a young woman whose courage to save her people helps her to become who God has fully called her to be. The setting for the book of Esther is Susa, the capital of Persia. It takes place during the reign of King Xerxes from 486 to 456 BC. Our story begins at the height of a lavish, lavish party where an inebriated King Xerxes asks his queen, Queen Vashti, to parade herself like a beauty pageant contestant before a room filled with drunken dignitaries. As a fitting last course, a feast for male eyes, for she was lovely to look at. As one scholar notes, having shown off his wealth and his power, King Xerxes now seeks to show off his wife, as if she is in the same category. Queen Vashti, however, refuses. She refuses to parade herself in front of the drunken party guests. So the king has her banished, just like that. Banished from his presence and the kingdom forever. And then he mandates that every man should be ruler over his own household. The Vashti incident set a serious tone for her predecessor. The next queen Xerxes will think twice before she has a mind of her own and goes up against the king. So King Xerxes needs to find a new queen. Thus it was proclaimed, let a search be made for beautiful young virgins for the king. Many young women were brought to the citadel of Susa. Esther was also taken to the king's palace and entrusted to Hege, who had charge of the harem. So I want to pause on these words was taken in the passage I just read. The message here is that Esther was taken by force or acquired like property. The edict went out across the land and the king's guard was dispatched to round up young girls. One minute they're at home with their families and the next minute they are whisked away to the palace and placed in a harem. Their lives were suddenly interrupted. The Persian empire did not care about any plans that these parents had for their young daughters. Now many people have viewed this story as if it was some sort of voluntary competition or beauty pageant, but that is not accurate. The cruel reality is that these women were kidnapped and were now slaves. The king wished to add to his collection of living dolls. Those chosen would live in seclusion for the rest of their lives, only to be taken out and played with by the king on his whim. This is much closer to what we know today as human sex trafficking as opposed to a beauty pageant that you sign up for. So imagine if you're going about your day, maybe walking along the street with your family and a government official comes and snatches you off the street. Why? Because the king who's known for killing people on a whim wants a new wife because he banished the first one from the kingdom. So who exactly is Esther, you may ask? Esther, who was given a family name Hadassah, was living in exile when the nation of Israel had been conquered by the Persian Empire. While some of the Jews had been allowed to return to Jerusalem, Esther's 
family was part of a group that stayed in Persia. Within their modest, tight-knit communities, they maintained all of the Jewish laws and rules and customs, similar to how they would have tried to live in Egypt at the time of Moses. As a young girl, Esther's concerns would have been innocent and sheltered. She was probably around the age 12 or 13, the age that most Jewish girls were married. She was raised in the Jewish tradition and she worshiped and knew about the one true God. She was a member of the Benjamite tribe, so the law of Moses would have prohibited her from intermarrying with people from other cultures. Eventually, Esther's parents died and she was adopted and raised by her cousin Mordecai. So when the soldiers came to take Esther, she must have known her life was going to be very different. Being in line to marry the king of an enemy hostile nation was against everything that Esther was taught to believe. If you really stop and think about this situation, Esther must have experienced great fear and despair, having been stripped of her family, knowing she'd be forced into behaviors and practices that went against her beliefs about marriage and sexual purity. Virginity was a single woman's honor, but in King Xerxes' palace, all of that would be stolen and violated. You can imagine her pleading with God that as she was captured, begging for God's deliverance. So once Esther was delivered to the palace, she was given over to Hege, a eunuch, who was in charge of the harem. God's favor caused Esther to gain the the pleasure and the kindness of everyone she came in contact with. She gained the goodwill of everyone that was around her, from the king all the way down to the young girls in the harem. Everyone loved her. She had a winsomeness that drew people towards her. Despite her favor from God, though, Esther's journey was anything but overnight. She had to endure a beautifying process that was mandated by the Persian culture. Every young girl in the harem had to go through a year-long preparation and to be marinated in oils and expensive perfumes before they were served up to the king. Each girl would not return to the king unless he summoned her by name. The potential for rejection and degradation is difficult to fathom. But Esther decided to play the game, and she complied with all that was required of her. So when the turn came for Esther to go to the king, she won his favor more than any of the other virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen. On the one hand, Esther was successful. She was chosen by the king to be queen, a lofty goal and attainment, especially to an orphaned young Jewish girl who'd been living in Persia and raised by her cousin Mordecai. But in turn, Esther had to give up who she was. Most likely for safety reasons, Mordecai always told Esther to keep her Jewish roots hidden. But her Jewish roots were so hidden that Esther forgot who she was that she was a Hadassah, she was a daughter of the covenant, a descendant of Abraham and Sarah. She lost her true identity when she followed the values of the cultural expectations for women. 
to earn her way simply because she was beautiful. She went from pleasing God to pleasing Xerxes. She didn't just survive being kidnapped into a harem, she managed to thrive and claim an unprecedented pagan cultural success. On the flip side of this, Esther did not have a lot of choice. When she was rounded up to go into the harem, there was no opportunity for escape. And if she had escaped, she would have most likely have been killed. So Esther was in a very, very difficult and dangerous situation. The sad reality is that sometimes we lose ourselves when we are uh, involved in impossible cultural standards and immorality, especially when we have no power no money or agency over our lives. Meanwhile, Esther's cousin Mordecai had learned of a plot devised by Haman. Haman was one of the king's top officials, and the plot was to kill off all of the Jews in the kingdom because they did not live by the king's rules. The Jews kept all of their own cultural rules, and this enraged Haman. So Haman says to the king, there is a certain people who keep themselves separate. Their customs are different, and they do not obey the king's laws. If it pleases the king, let a decree be issued to destroy them. Esther's world turned upside down the day Haman's decree went out. On top of this, Esther learned that Mordecai, Mordecai wanted her to go to the king, into his presence to beg for mercy and plead with him for her people. Esther was shocked at this request. Initially, Esther tried to dodge this unwelcome request, reminding Mordecai that any man or woman who approaches the king without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they be put to death. Esther could lose her life over this. But like the wise man and mentor he was, Mordecai reminded Esther that just because she's queen, she cannot escape the king's decree. She is still a Jew. Mordecai also pointed out to Esther that her entire life has prepared her for this very moment. So Mordecai says, Do not think, because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. So the moment of truth had arrived for Esther. She had a clear and life-changing choice to make. Would she continue to live in obscurity? Would she continue to hide her true self, caught in the politics of two worlds? Or would she step up to the plate and serve her people? You must understand that this was not easy for Esther. This was not the direction her life was going at this point. She was a rags to riches story, a young girl orphaned, raised by her cousin Mordecai. She manages to win the king's favor, and now she's known as Esther the queen of Persia. She had completely hidden her Jewish identity to be successful by cultural standards. Her birth name was not even Esther, it was Hadassah. If the secret got out, she would be killed. 
On top of this, Esther had been living in a pagan society, adhering to laws and rules that governed that culture. Her life was controlled by outside circumstances. She'd been going with the flow to survive, even thrive, not rocking the boat, not initiating action. Then comes the evil decree by the evil man, Haman. The decree to have all of the Jewish people exterminated was a turning point in Esther's life. Would she cower in fear and continue to be the powerless victim of circumstance? Or would she be true to God, true to herself, and true to her people? The choice that Esther made was a crossroads. It is her defining moment. She had to choose between hiding her Jewish identity and stepping out and owning who she truly was. What is even more amazing is that as Esther steps in the courageous position that God called her to be in, she takes time out to be with God in prayer and in fasting. Once Mordecai told Esther that she could not remain silent and that her call was to save her people, she responds with this, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. Esther demonstrates maturity and wisdom in declaring a fast. She did not operate on her own power and assumption. She knew this was a situation beyond her control, and she needed to be listening for God's words and directions. For three days, Esther waits in the presence of God, waiting for his revelation for the best course of action. Like Esther, we need to wait in the presence of God, to hear his still small voice, to hear his call on our hearts. So Esther invites King Xerxes and Haman to a banquet where she eventually reveals who she was, her Jewish identity to the king, as well as Haman's evil plot to kill her and her people. In a rage, the king orders Haman hung at the gallows, and Mordecai is promoted to Haman's top position, and the Jews were saved and granted protection throughout the entire kingdom. By Esther stepping into God's call in her life, she helped save her people, and Esther became who God called her to be. Author Carolyn Custis James puts it this way, Esther's story awakens us to the bold biblical message that God values and counts on his daughters as kingdom builders. So what does all this mean for us today? What does this mean for you and I? First, God uses broken and sinful people in messy circumstances for his purposes. We are a lot like Esther. We don't always have our act together. We often follow culture instead of following God. We aren't always faithful, but God, but God continues to use us. He uses everyone regardless of our backgrounds and our abilities for his purposes. The second thing I want you to think about is that this story is really about the courageous affirmation of Esther's identity. 
Esther identifies herself with her people and she claims that identity. The royal court identified her merely as a pretty queen, but Esther chose now to define herself as a child of God, a representative of God's people, and she stood up for that identity. If I perish, I perish, but I will go to the king. The identity issue is key to the story and it is key to all of us here today. We read in 1 Peter, but you are, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into this wonderful light. We are God's children. We are God's beloved. This is our identity. And our identity is when we choose to step into God's call in our, in our life in the name of Jesus to do his kingdom work. In the time of the Old Testament, God chose a certain ethnic people, the Jewish people, and he said, I will be their God and they will be my people. It is through them that I will make my purposes known. But the New Testament tells us something wonderful and marvelous happened. That chosenness, that elect people has been expanded to include any tribe, any nation, any people, any tongue, to include all of us Gentiles, to be welcomed into the newly elect people. We are the chosen people of God. Friends, we belong to Jesus Christ. To claim that, we need to align ourselves with God's purposes in this world and not our own. This is what Esther discovered in her own way in an Old Testament setting. Esther defined herself as a child of God. And as a child of God, she had the courage to stand up for the cause of God's people and what God was calling her to do and to be in the world. The Lord is calling you to be faithful today in such a time as this, to have courage to stand up to be faithful to God and what God wants you to do and to be in this world. God may never call us to do such daring things as save our people from annihilation like Esther, or having to reveal our hidden selves will never be met with our death. But God still calls us, and our call is still important. Whether you're called by God to stay home and raise your children for the season of your life, or you're called to make that career change to be a kingdom builder, you are still called by God as his daughter and his son of the king. In addition to the wisdom of Esther, we have the encouragement of Mordecai. What Mordecai saw in Esther, she did not see in herself. The power to step in God's call on her life as a leader and a woman who is a Jewish leader of her people, a woman who is in a place of power to save her people. Sometimes we need the Mordecais of the world, the men and women to encourage us to step into what God wants us to do. Before I accepted God's call in my life to go into full-time ministry, I was a college professor at DePaul University, full-time, and then at the College of DuPage. I did this because I love to teach and I love education, but most importantly, God called me to be that encourager of young people going to college for the first time and also those returning adults making those career changes later on in life. 
I found that most students, young and old, just need that person to sit down and believe in them, to encourage them, mentor them, and tell them, yes, you can do it. Yes, this course is difficult, but this is what you do to complete it and get that A. Yes, this degree seems impossible, but it'll help you transfer to that four-year school. It will change the trajectory of your entire life. We need the Mordecais of this world, the men and women to call us. And when we mentor and encourage each other, we are partnering with God to do his kingdom work. We become the Mordecais of the world. Do you want to be part of God's kingdom work? Take time out to be with God. Pray with God. See what he has for you. And the good part is we have the best encourager and mentor we could ever have, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when we sit down and are quiet with Jesus, he will tell us what our call is. This week, also, look at the folks around you. Look at people in your families, in your friends, people here you serve with at church. See the gifts in them. Encourage them. Be that mentor. Encourage them so we all can be ready, just as Esther was, for such a time as this. Let us pray. Dearest Father God, we ask for your guidance and wisdom on your call on our lives. Give us the courage to follow your will, to be part of your kingdom work in this world. Give us the courage to be like Esther, to stand up for what you have called us to do and to be. Give us the strength and foresight to also see the gifts in others and to champion others. Help us to be like Mordecai and encourage others to step forward in the sweet name of Jesus. And all God's children said, amen.